Jesus, we thank you that you came among us. We thank you that you were born. We thank you that you lived, and we thank you that you died all for our sake. Would we pray that we would treasure this gift to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. All right, I have a question. Hopefully this doesn't make some of you uncomfortable. How many of you still have gifts or presents to wrap when you get home? I do. This is not shaming. It's just what happens, right? Uh, Our daughter, she's five, and she's not quite at the age where we really have to hide stuff and, like, put it behind lock and key, but she she knows what's going on. Anytime a a package has shown up at the door in the past month or so, the first question is, is that for me? (laughs) I think some of the the childlike wonder of the gift-giving and receiving that happens around Christmas is the hopes and dreams that we might get something amazing, right? That makes our eyes light up. Um, I remember as a child that I had an aunt who notoriously was an odd gift giver. They weren't bad, they just maybe wasn't the thing that I would have picked for myself. So a couple examples. Um, One Christmas, she gave me a space pen. So just in case I wanted to be an astronaut or I needed to write underwater, because that's what a space pen can do. It can write underwater. Another Christmas, she gave me the world's smallest flashlight, you know, just in case I I, I needed to see in the dark but didn't have enough room for a normal-sized flashlight. I don't know. But the important thing about these gifts is not what they were and whether I wanted them or not, but they were an expression of her love and her care for me. Love is what makes a gift meaningful. So I've got a very simple, maybe even mundane point that I'm trying to make here. The greatest gift that we could ever receive, not just at Christmas, but at any time and in any season, is Jesus. Why? Because of God's love. Now, some of you are like, wow, I'm glad I came to Christmas Eve service to hear this amazing original point. Here's what I want to ask you. Don't check out. I actually think that the familiarity of the Christmas story can make us miss the wonder, the grandeur of how amazing this gift truly is. At first glance, right, this gift, it's not that impressive. Cool, it's a baby. Everyone's seen a baby before. As the popular hymn goes, what child is this? What are we to make of this baby? What's the big fuss all about? It's kind of an odd gift, right? The God who created everything, everything in our world, the the best gift he thought to give us was a baby. So we might wonder and think about that a little bit. But I don't want us to miss what this gift is truly about. So so tonight, we're going to kind of examine this a little bit. I think sometimes, right, gifts are maybe even greater than the sum of their parts sometimes. Sometimes gifts have layers to them, where the more you examine them, unpack them, unwrap them, the greater the gift becomes. Some of our student ministry students know that we have a gift 
giving that we like to do that has lots and lots of layers that we unwrap. We play this giant saran saran wrap ball game. Um, If you have a student who's part of our group, they can tell you all that about. But the idea is there's this big ball and there's a really nice gift in the middle and there are more and more and more and you have to unwrap them and it's kind of crazy how it happens. But I want to come back to what I'm talking about with gifts though. I won't be the first and certainly not the last pastor to say to you that if we aren't careful, we will miss the amazing gift that is right in front of us on Christmas Eve. This is why the season of Advent matters. Advent puts the longings in our hearts that only Jesus can fulfill. So tonight, whether this is the first time or the thousandth time, I want to invite us to do two things. I want to invite us to examine this gift, but not just examine it like a scientist, but to really embrace this gift, the gift of God incarnate, born to change all of history. So in order to examine this gift more closely, I want to use our verses from Titus. Titus is maybe not the first book of the Bible that might, you might be thinking of, but Titus is really, really interesting. In these, in these four short verses, we see the wonder of this gift-giving God on display. And here's what we'll notice, that it always starts with God, and not just God in some generic sense of a higher power or being, but who is this God? This God is marked by mercy, by kindness, This is the God that we see in scriptures. In our psalm, we read how this is a mighty God who delights in his people and will stop at nothing to save them. And as Titus continues, it says that God does this not because we earned it, but because he delights in saving his people. For some of you tonight, the gift that you need to receive and embrace from God is that he delights in you. That might be that gift that you need to see, and that's manifested in Jesus. And not only does he delight in saving his people, but he has taken the initiative to restore this broken and disrupted relationship that we have with God. Even when things looked bleak, and they certainly looked bleak in the Isaiah passage, they continue to look bleak sometimes today. We can rest assured that God did not just sit by idly, but he decided to send his own son into the creation that he loves to redeem it. And it wasn't a simple act of salvation for the future, but it was restoration. It was new creation. It was God forever uniting himself to humanity and humanity to God. Listen to this bit from a poem from Madeline Lingle. This is what she writes. He did not wait for the perfect time. He came when the need was deep and great. He came with love. Rejoice, rejoice. So we could easily spend the rest of the evening talking about the why behind Jesus' birth. And I don't want you to think that I'm turning this into a midnight mass all of a sudden. But I do want to examine further how God chose to do this. Why a baby? So the early church mothers and fathers, they called Jesus' birth something really, really interesting. They talked about Jesus' birth as the glorious exchange. 
that God would take on our humanity and be born of a woman. Prior to the narration of Jesus' birth that we had read by Deacon Susan in Luke chapter 2, Luke 1 helps us see that it has always been God's idea to send his son to fulfill God's promises and save us from our sins. A theologian named Fred Sanders, he put it this way. I think it helps us get our, our brain about, around the why of a baby. He says, a personal problem requires a personal solution. It's not as if God needed to just vanquish some evil forces in the universe to save us. If that was the solution that was needed, he could have done that without becoming a human being. No, it was fitting that Jesus took on our humanity because as humans, we are the ones who have rejected God's ways and sought to live life on our own terms. And Jesus doesn't just appear as this fully grown man, but he enters our chaotic world as we all do, as a vulnerable child. So Luke is this master storyteller, and he locates Jesus as truly one of us in our history and in our time. He was born at a particular moment under the rule of Caesar Augustus. And like all humans, he was part of a family, yet mysteriously, he was divinely conceived. Luke's narrative is actually, if you think about it, it's the original slightly awkward family Christmas interaction, right? Mary and Joseph, they can't find a place to stay of their own. Mary's very pregnant, and so what happens? She finds herself lodging and even giving birth amongst the animals, I kind of suspect that this was not the last time this interaction, this weird thing where they were stuck in a place that was unfamiliar and it wasn't the right situation, right? This wasn't the last time that this ever got brought up in Joseph and Mary's marriage. But in that humble manger lay the greatest gift that anyone had ever seen, Emmanuel, God with us. Perhaps the greatest preacher in Christian history, St. John Chrysostom, this is how he describes Jesus' birth in one of his sermons. For this he assumed my body, that I may become capable of his word. Taking my flesh, he gives me his spirit. And so he bestowing and I receiving, he prepares for me the treasure of life. That is the wondrous exchange. In this humble child, our destiny as humans is forever joined to God's own life. In Jesus, we learn what it means to be truly and fully human, restored to the relationship with God that we were always intended for. Or to put it like Titus, like it does in Titus, by God's grace, we are made heirs, right? Heirs, H-E-I-R-S according to the hope of eternal life. So in closing, like I mentioned, it's important that we not just examine the wonder of the word made flesh in this baby. We can't just stop and think about it. That's not enough. Yes, we need to stop in wonder and awe and worship in our hectic world. That's part of what happens whenever we gather as a body. But the invitation is not just to examine like, a, like this, in this kind of scientific forensic way, but it's actually to embrace the gift of Jesus. 
What good is a gift if we never open it up? we never explore it, if we never explore the world that God intended to give to us. So like the inheritance we receive as adopted sons and daughters of God, we're invited through the Holy Spirit to live like God always intended for us. In humility, God takes on our humanity, and he raises that humanity up to God. And part of embracing Jesus is that we would do likewise, that when we realize how great this gift is, how lavish the love of the gift giver was, we are also humbled to share what we have from him as gifts with others. Christmas gift giving at its best is an echo of this reality. Jesus shows us how to love God and love one another, and, when we embr- and then we embrace the life of worship and love of neighbor. The shepherds in Luke's story, I think, are a wonderful example of both examining and embracing this gift. God could have told anyone, yet it's not the high-status members of society, but it's the lowly shepherds who find out about this gift first. The angels, they share the glory of God, seen in Jesus with them. And then the shepherds, they go and seek Jesus out, They come away and are transformed, and they cannot help but tell others about what God is up to in Jesus. So the question I have for us tonight is this, it's a simple one. Have you examined the wonder and embraced the love of God seen in Jesus, the miracle that God chooses to be with us forever? The greatest gift that anyone has ever seen is here for you tonight. Rejoice and embrace Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.